0: Who's at first Wednesday? Was that was that uh, really good? First Wednesday is a night of uh, worship and kind of prayer and prophetic ministry. And uh, if you weren't there because you were sick, um, we know. Um, Actually, I was praying about how we press through some things that we need to press through as Christ followers. And uh, if you haven't heard that, that's uh, probably on the website or something. Uh, But I would really recommend that. um, Pastor Aaron was recommending that to some people last night. That will show you how to push through. Because if you have this thing where you're saying like, hey, I'll go to church and I'll do the thing that God wants me to do and I'll love my husband and I'll do all the things, unless this happens, guess what happens? So anyways, uh, was it good? I thought it was good. All right. there's pizza with pastors today. So if you're new and you've been checking out Venue Church, even if you didn't sign up for it, just go to the brick wall and tell somebody there about it. And we will just make sure that we have enough for you. If you want to learn more about Venue Church, you are welcome to do that today. We've got a bunch of people coming to that and Pastor Aaron and I love to spend a little time with you. And so we would uh, just talk a little bit about the church and what we're all about and find out a little bit about you and you are welcome to come. All right, look at your neighbor and say, you look good. You've been working out. Good, you're coming to pizza with pastors with me. All right, now this series is about sexuality. Yeah, Um, it's called Birds, The Birds and the Bees. Uh, Today's sermon is called Sexual Choices. Now, um, this series is really, you know, I was thinking if there's a, a, a group that it's for, it's really for young teens, 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 teens. It's really for old people. Married people, divorced people, people who are single, people who used to be single, people who are, again, single. We got a single people in the house? Oh, you guys are starting to get it. Sometimes I'll say that and, like, one person will put their hand up. I'm like, that's why everybody else is single. Y'all, I'm in the house of the Lord. I am available. Let's go. Um, So this series, here's the write-up that that this is going to be our approach to this series Uh, it's a series about sexuality there is much confusion fear and anger around this topic because it touches upon our purpose for existence which is this connection with God and connection with people you are here to do two things now we would say at venue that you can't connect with God and you cannot connect with people until you help somebody else connect with God and people that is our purpose but because sexuality touches on that word connection it hits a lot of triggers inside of us What if we're not thinking about sexuality the way that God thinks about it at all? As long as the creator's voice on the subject is just another voice, I don't even know that it's possible to be happy. There are so many voices out there, and as long as God's voice to you is a suggestion of what might work, um, your life will never be happy if, in fact, God designed you and created you. Um, Let's stop uh, studying the counterfeit, hoping we'll spot the authentic. So, um, you know, federal agents, I was thinking about this Sean. federal agents when they teach uh, other federal agents, I guess, about how to spot a counterfeit uh, currency. They don't start by studying counterfeit currency. They start by studying real currency so that the counterfeit doesn't seem right to them. And I think what the enemy would love you to do is study counterfeit sexuality in hopes that you'll somehow land on the real thing. And so there's so many things out there. I'm not gonna get into like the graphic details of every sexual option that you have these days, because I think that's a complete waste of time. What I wanna do is go back to the scriptures and study the original, so that when we get back into the world, we'll go like, oh, that's why that didn't work, and that's why that's not working in the lives of people, because it's not actual currency, the currency of relationship, which is connection. And so, um, you know, I think it's funny, Thanks, Sean. I think it's funny that that a lot of uh, what God in the the Holy Spirit wrote through an author about sexuality was written through Paul who wasn't married and who was celibate and Paul is telling everybody like hey you don't have to have sex to be happy happiness belongs to the Lord now it's not a message that you're gonna hear out in the world today but if happiness does belong to the Lord then we actually have to explore what the Lord would have to say about that now this is the series that is going to traumatize my daughters I was thinking about this, you know, it's not really going to be my problem in 10 or 20 years. It's going to be their psychologist's problem. (laughs) So I thought, you know, it'll be one of those things like, did your dad ever talk about sexuality? And they're going to be like, no, he didn't. He didn't preach anything about it. It wasn't weird. Um, My daughters and I, we had this conversation. It's kind of a cope conversation where I, I... we said something, and I'm like, "This now you're experiencing an emotion that what you have to do is you have to put it in a box and bury it deep in your soul and never talk about it again. <laughs> so this is going to be one of those uh, sermons about that. Now, just so you know, because um, if you have children here, obviously I have uh, children here, you need to know that I'm not crude or crass about sex. I think sex is honorable. I think it's beautiful. I think the the cruder we get about it and uh i think that we lose uh, the beauty of it and the magic of it so you need to know that i'm not going to handle this in a way that um that the enemy handles it where everybody you know it's like locker room joking about stuff i don't think you're animals i think you are uh, you are a human made in the image and likeness of god and i'm not going to treat you like an animal and i'm just going to preach the word of god as it is and um i don't think that you're an animal i don't think you have to do Everything that comes into your mind, I don't think that you, I, can, I think you could flee temptation. I don't think you have to act on every urge that you have. I, I don't think that that's going to make you happy either. And so I think the enemy made sex unholy and dirty and gave you a lot of options, whereas God is like, well, it didn't make you happy, so let's look at, at what actually could, you know. Now, God talks a lot about sex in the Bible, but the enemy has far more disciples in the world because the church really stopped talking about it. So, and and look, I'm a persuasive guy. Now we don't maybe think, I know that everything you hear right now is you're very smart, like you're so smart. Dustin, you are so smart while somebody is trying to sell you something. And then don't you think that you need one of these or six of these, right? And so we're told that we're smart, we're so smart because we have all this access to information, but I don't know that many access to information and all the data and all the, I don't know that it's data, I think it's people's opinions and I think it's people's experiences and I think it's all these things that we get sucked into because they tell us first that we're very smart. And so if I didn't have my dad, y'all know Pastor Richard, if I didn't have my dad, I would be, I would be like an incredible manipulator. Like by the time I was two, I would run your house. You think that your kids have the devil inside of them. I mean, I would. But I'm telling you, God made me persuasive. Now, here's the thing. I know that if I talk to Barbara about something, even if it's something that, that I don't think is right for her, I know that just because of the gift of persuasion that God gave me, that hopefully I'm using for good. Yeah. Yeah, i teach you up there. Besides, right. I'm not gonna make eye contact with my dad because he put the fear of God in me. Like, boy, you better use this. Okay. So, but I know that if I talk to Barbara, the first time I talk to her about an idea, a new idea that she would disagree with, I'll bet you I could get her 20% closer to to a point of view. Here's what I would say, any point of view. Because I'm really persuasive. And the next time I'll get her another 10%, and the next time we'll just keep adding to it. And pretty soon, you know what's gonna happen? She's gonna start thinking, that sounds pretty good. Even though I started with this crazy idea that I'm like, it, it's a terrible idea for Barbara, but I'm gonna see if I can talk her into it. Right, and so sooner or later, she's gonna start thinking, that actually sounds pretty good. And then she's gonna start thinking, this was her idea, right? So how many of you do you think the devil has seen? Like 10 million? Oh, I know, the, I know your mom said you were special but you think the way a lot of people think. Not everybody, you, you are your own person, but the personality, they're broken down into like, these types of people think like this. Now, how do you think, do you think the devil's got you figured out? You think the devil knows how to sell you something that's not good for you? Well, um, the enemy has many disciples, and so what we need to do is take all those other voices, just do, do me a favor, even if you're not a Christ follower, you're just exploring faith, just put everything else in a box right now, and let's look at what G, what God has to say about sexuality. So, um, you know, what doesn't sell because sex sells, I get it. You know, what doesn't sell the best sex, yeah. the best sex doesn't sell. Cause nobody's going to make a movie about mom and dad having great sex for decades because it's the most horrifying thought in existence. Not me preaching to my girls, me preaching. That's why my mom is sitting over there. So I can't see her a hundred percent. She said, I'm not going to sit there because I know it's going to freak you out. I know my parents have had sex at least twice because there's two of us and I wish they'd have stopped at me. Because it's disgusting. It's like, the best sex is like, I woke up, I had devotions, I went to work, I put a roof over my family's head, I helped my neighbor load a fridge in, I went to a small group, we went home and had great sex and everybody's just like, ugh. You're not gonna make a movie out of that. Please don't make a movie About my parents' life. But our kids are inundated with all this crazy sexuality and these menus getting passed around now that will never sustain their soul. The devil has taken a bunch of like rats and put chocolate sauce on them and put it on the menu and that's what kids are eating now. Because that's what they think is like... Well, let's look at the actual menu that has... You know, I don't know what you eat, but like, I like a good steak. I'm like, not rats. I eat, I want the menu that God has for me. I want to take it. I want to do it like a blueprint swap today and be like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. It's building a a dumpster fire. Let's build something for our kids. That is actually, actually accurate if we could. Um, Now, you know, now you can teach your kids about sex or you can let somebody else do it. I had somebody in my small group say, well, if you won't have a talk with your girls, somebody will. I'm like, ugh. So I made Pastor Aaron do it. <laughs> the, but so here's the thing though, if you won't, somebody will. Um, now this is what I will say of my dad's generation, a lot of the baby boomers, like I love my parents, they're great, but but their sex talks were not really sex talks, if I, if I can say this. I was 13 and dad's like, hey, I, I wanna talk to you about sex. And I'm like, oh no, 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 <laughs> it's, it's happening. And so I still remember, it's burned into my mind, I thought this was gonna be the worst 10 minute conversation of my life. And so we're driving in, because we lived in a small town, we we're coming off the highway, so he signals, he gets on the on-ramp, and on the on-ramp it starts. And this is the entirety of dad's sex talk. He goes, Cory, sex outside of marriage is bad, don't do it, keep yourself busy and play lots of sports. So by the time we turned left, man, that was it. I'm like, I didn't want to say like, so I'm not even really sure what sex is. I'm not going to say that and bring that up because I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) So like, I love my dad, but he didn't, you know, they didn't talk about, they didn't talk about it. So we were kind of left to to find that out on our own. Thank God we didn't have the internet back then because your five-year-old kid, if they have a phone in their room, which they shouldn't, on all sorts of social media I mean who you want the devil to parent them he will or you could Um, even with how we lock up all of our devices in the office overnight including my own well you don't you can't trust yourself well obviously not that's why we lock it up in our because we're told to flee temptation so I thought it sounded like wisdom hard to get your kid to do something you won't do so I thought well no, I think that's good and why our kids didn't have phones till later and They do now, but why their phones only access certain things, because there's so much on there that you can let the devil train your kid if you want to, or you you can, take your responsibility. Don't let the the enemy parent your child. So now listen, here's what else I would say. Nobody here is perfect in the area of sexuality. We have all sinned and fallen short. Even children are exposed to things wherever they're exposed to things. We have all sinned. So what we're not saying is like we have a handle on it personally because we're amazing. If God has redeemed anything, it is because God has redeemed something in our lives. And we recognize that and say, look, we are just lucky and fortunate that we're in the house of the Lord. And uh, if we're not twisted up in the area of sexuality, it has been God's doing and uh, not our own uh, lust leading us around. So is it even a possibility in your mind, though, or are you watching online, is it even a possibility in your mind you might be wrong or that you may have been misinformed even by somebody who loved you? What if they didn't know? Right, And most of the information you get is not from people who love you. They want something from you. So let me talk a little bit about the psychology of what we believe sexually. Um, so last week, um, I don't know if the computer called for more uh, smoke in the air uh, in the service because the lights look cool and the smoke and stuff. And so, But we had a couple of complaints saying, like, I can't breathe. There's too much smoke in the air. So let's talk about what we believe about smoke in church. Here's what I want to say. You want your teenager to change, but would you let me change your mind about something with facts? Or do you care about facts? Because maybe the reason that you're having trouble getting through to that person who's messed up sexually is because you won't sow seed in changing your mind about something. So let's talk about this. Um, first of all, I brought a jug of this up here. First of all, um, so this is what we use now in the haze machine, and it was blowing quite a lot of haze uh, last week. But this whole idea, like I can't breathe, it's smoke. That is what we call a thought pipeline. This comes from a time when you were at camp and you were at the campfire and you were just trying to roast the marshmallow and the smoke kept following you around and then you'd move your chair. It's demonic how that smoke just follows you around. Like it doesn't matter, you can put your chair back in your car and the smoke is gonna be there. So you know that this is true, like how does this happen? Is it, I don't, is it a phenomenon or is it the devil? And so, so, but when that smoke, we can't enjoy the warmth of the fire. We can't enjoy marshmallows. We can't enjoy the goodness of the fire and the company because all you get is a lungful of smoke and you can't breathe, right? And so when we see something that looks like smoke, we say, we, we say, I can't breathe because, right? So let me talk a little bit. Uh, it's called a, a thought, a pipeline. Now, the haze fluid that we use is this stuff here. Um, It is not the 70s disco fog that probably gave cancer cancer, okay? Um, But that community was not super interested in health anyways. And so here's the thing. I didn't study 70s fog and smoke because we don't use it. So I didn't go and study every sexually deviant idiocy out there that's not working because... I don't need to because we're not actually talking about that. We're talking about what we use. Now, again, I told first Wednesday, we put like 10 or 12 monkeys back there where the smoke machine actually is. And they're still living. They're still fine. (laughs) But here's what I want to (laughs) say. I did study what we do use, though. We put about an ounce, maybe two ounces, of this fluid into the air on a weekend. So one ounce or two ounces, like this much, like in a tiny little cup. Right. so that's how much goes my home humidifier puts about a gallon into the air every day. This puts this much in, shared by say five hundred people, over the entire course in a space this size. Okay. So let me tell you about a conversation I had in, in next door where we used to rent with the, the, the owner of the property who is a lawyer. Now has anybody had a conversation with a lawyer? This is how the entire conversation went. Are you ready? Because he was not worried about humans dying because he was a lawyer or ingesting smoke or being unable to breathe. What he was concerned about, this is this funny? Do we have a, I feel like everybody here is a lawyer or something. You're like Sorry, <laughs> stepping on your toes. What he was worried about was that the, the haze fluid would rot the ducting out and rot the concrete walls. But he wasn't concerned about human life. I spent one hour of my life, now me, on the phone, with him saying, I can't find the chemicals online that's in the haze fluid, and me saying, it's because there are none. And him saying, but I can't find them. And then me saying, because there are none. And him saying, but I can't find them. And me saying, there are none, that's why you can't find them. One hour of my life. So all this does is it produces a a thin mist of haze, it's water-based. You probably shouldn't drink the jug, but this is all it says. It just creates a thin haze. Uh, It's odor-free, non-toxic, and non irritating And there's no chemicals on the bottle. So, so, but because it looks like smoke, I can't breathe. It reminds me of something they used to choke the life out of me, so this must too. Now, facts are facts, but I know some of you, you're still gonna say that you can't breathe the next time the haze machine comes on because it's not smoke. It's just turning water into particles that the lights pick up. That's really what it's doing. I know some of you, you'd rather be right than be happy. The world out there would rather be right than happy sexually. Because to be like, oh, it doesn't affect my breathing? No, your brain is affecting your breathing. That's funny. I know, because last night, you know what I said? I'm like, oh my goodness, I can taste that smoke. And then I walk back there and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's affecting my breathing. Then I'm like, I'm literally preaching about this tomorrow. And it's not, because it can't, because that's not what it is. Listen, it's called a thought pipeline. If God doesn't create your thought pipeline for sexuality, the devil would love to. The devil's the one following people around, putting smoke in their faces and choking choking them. And then when God tries to bring the truth to bear in the situation, the devil's like, oh, no, 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 that's what's restricting you. And that's what's keeping you from happiness. And that's what... Um, I think we need to... Oh, there's a lot I could say here. Let's let's. I'm gonna go straight to some scripture. Don't try to get God's results, trying to play the devil's game. And I just made all my notes go away. That's never good. Yeah, I just feel like I need to skip some stuff and get to this part here. Um, oh my goodness, did I hear a few things about the haze machine? Okay, <laughs> it's gonna get worse. Um, First Corinthians, Paul. God chooses the Holy Spirit to speak through a celibate man about sexuality. He says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Everything you hear right now is, is just physical. It doesn't mean anything. It's not just physical. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. Physical fact. Physical fact. Some sexuality works, some doesn't. Physical fact. It's as much spiritual as it is physical. As written in the scripture, the two become one. Now next week I might talk about the fracturing that happens in sexual promiscuity. There is healing for you in the house. But the two become one because people are walking around having been one all over the place, and that is why they cannot connect with their current spouse, because there are pieces of them everywhere that they've gone. And so God is gonna do something in your life that's gonna be incredible. You know, it says he says, since we want to become spiritually one with the master, connected with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment. And intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, which you will find with sexually promiscuous people. The kind of sex that can never become one. He's like, it is a a method, is a tool for becoming one in this beautiful thing. But he's saying, it cannot be done any other way but this way. Impossible. There is a sense, he says, in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness, catch this, of our own bodies, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. Um, or did you, This is not the latest copy of my notes. Oh, that's a problem. That's why I'm confused. Oh, sure. Well... <laughs> Yeah, this didn't load in the last version of my notes. Oh well, whatever, I know it. Um, so now, can, can I just go into this part here? All of this talk in today's world that we have evolved sexually and grandpa was an idiot, then we push grandpa and his morally simple ideas down the stairs and say, you didn't understand the world like we understand it. All of this talk that we are sexually uh, evolving is a load of garbage. Because everything that has been tried now has been tried before many, many times in society. Every sexually immoral society falls. You think Rome didn't try everything that's been tried in today's world? And we're like, but we're evolving. We know more than, no, we're just acting like a bunch of animals is what is happening. So Paul is writing this to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, um, Strabo, the Greek uh, historian, um, said that there was a thousand temple prostitutes uh, to the uh, uh, temple of Aphrodite, I think it was, in, in Corinth. So Paul is talking to a sexually corrupt culture that a church is birthed in. He's like, guys, you cannot be happy. Look at them. Sex and religion. It's still sex and religion. You know why? You know how I know something is a religion in people's thoughts? Because it dare not be evaluated. This is who I am. You dare not evaluate. This is my identity. This is who I am right? Watch this. Now we as Christ followers say, God dare not be evaluated. Worship is not evaluated. It is given. It is obedience is given. It is not evaluated. But there are other things that want your attention and want your worship plans of the enemy and different spiritual strongholds that want you to not evaluate, act like an animal gets sucked into a religion that is serving a false God that will never meet your needs and will never save you. So, um, Oh, there's so much I can get in here, but my notes, I, I got to fix this. Um, now, every civilization that swings back uh, into sexual immorality must swing back into morality because nothing else actually works and gives you the results and the fruit on the tree. Now, um, I just need to kind of freewheel this here. Um, so this is the problem now is that people are identifying sexually. What if God didn't mean for you to identify sexually at all? Like, what if that wasn't even supposed to be a part of your identity? This is how we hear it. This is the great lie of the day that I was made this way. This is who I am. I was born like this. Right? So what we need to do is we need to separate our identity from our choices. Right? Because what we're saying is this is my identity. I didn't have a choice. And then people come to pastors and, and they say, Well, tell me God made me this way. I'm like... God made you a baby. God didn't make sexy babies. He didn't make babies having sex. They were choices. People made choices for you and warped you. You made choices and warped. Sin separates. Sin corrupts the soul. Sin brings diseases, mental, emotional. Sin breaks heartache. And we never get angry at sin or the devil. Then we get angry at God or somebody who's happy, here's what I want to say. Pastor, tell me that my choice, you know, tell, me, tell me this is my identity, tell me God made me this way, and tell me I'm happy. Why? Are you? Because happy people don't need to be told that they're happy. And if you're happy, you don't care what I think at all. If you were happy out there, living any other way that you could, why did you come to church? Why do you get yelled at every week? If it worked out there, you'd still be out there. If there was salvation and healing and wholeness, you'd be out there. After, your children now, I mean, you talk about hundreds and then thousands and thousands of sexual choices to look at, to read, to listen to, to watch. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of choices that built a pipeline that got you here. What if God wants to wreck the whole pipeline today? and say like, let's talk about the real thing here because that didn't, it's not going to make you happy because it cannot make you one, it cannot connect you. It will separate you from God and it will separate you from people and you don't want that. Now here's what it says and here's what we need to get into. It says sexual sin, another translation says it like this, is a sin against your own body. It's different than every other sin out there because this sin is a sin against yourself. Watch this, watch this, watch this. You cannot, ready? Therefore, love yourself and commit sexual immorality. You can't love yourself and commit sexual immorality. Because sexual sin is a sin against yourself, meaning you start to hate yourself. You do not love yourself. It's self-love. And it's, a, no, 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 no. No, it's hatred of self. It will, it, and people who hate themselves hate everybody else. And people who use the word hate a lot are actually the ones with hate inside because that's what they're thinking about all the time. And that's why when when a Christ follower who's literally happy and fulfilled sexually says, I question your sexual practices over here. They're like, you can't tell me that. You must be full of hate. This is who I am. Well, it's just like playing the, the joker all the time and be like, you're not allowed to question my choices. Well, you're not happy. Yeah, this is your fault. It's insanity. If you're not happy, it's my fault because I said, like, but George, you gotta have four, four tires on a car. Three's not gonna work. My car broke down, it's your fault. You didn't believe in me. Like, it's not logical in any fashion. It's not making sense and it's not results-based. All the devil is doing is just blowing a bunch of smoke in your face. That's actual smoke that you're choking on. You can't see where you're going. You have to separate. Guilt is a gift, by the way. Because when sin enters your life, you look at that thing on, we try to here at church, we try to confess sin very, very quickly. Same day. My accountability partner he will get a text from me. Same day. Hey, I saw this on TV. I just want you to know. And here's here's what we have right now is a bunch of sexually diseased and sexually unhappy and sexually um, broken people walking around. And in the church, we haven't really got this right. We didn't understand this, is that we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. True. But until you confess it, it says we confess them to each other so that you may be healed. Meaning you can be forgiven, but not healed. It's like walking around on a broken leg because it's not healed because you never confessed it to another person. Like, hey, Scott, I just want you to know that I messed up. And that brings a level of humility, and God starts working on that level of humility. Do you have friends that you could tell that to? Do you want healing? There's actually a path to it. Notes, notes, notes. The most happy, unhappy people on the planet are those who are sinning against themselves. But don't get mad at them for being unhappy, please. I know confused and hurt. Hurt people who become angry people over time. Especially if they're not getting healing. Please don't walk out there and arrogantly say, like, I know the way I am. Just ask them, what's it like? How'd you get to this place? You don't seem very happy. Tell me about it. You gotta sit with people in their weakness sometimes. You can't just preach at them and be like, I know the right way. Then they look at some of the things you're doing. Don't get angry at unhappy people. Unhappy people, they're just unhappy. They're just looking for, I mean, look, if they knew God, they'd be healed and whole like you. But they don't. Yelling at them is not going to help. And if they do it to you or get angry at you, just love and forgive and be like, no, no, I'm not. Look, I love you. I don't want to argue about this thing. I'm just suggesting that maybe there's a better way. That's all I want for you. I just want you to be happy. I just want you to be healed and whole. Now, to do this, we have to go back to design. We have to go back to the actual blueprint. So can you today take all the blueprint of all the things that are building some pipeline or monument to something and take them all and just put them in a box, buried deep in your soul, and never talk about it again. (laughs) And actually look at the blueprint. We're going to go right back to the blueprint of Adam and Eve. Genesis 2. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Look, if it's evolution and you're an animal, then do whatever makes you feel good. But doing whatever makes you feel good today might make you hate yourself tomorrow. You're not an animal. You're made in the image of God. Stop being told that you're an animal and you must follow every urge that you have. You are not. You are better than that. He closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. You know, God really sent him a supervisor. Because <laughs> he put him in the Garden of Eden with all these toys, and he's like, and then Adams gets real quiet for a while, and he's like, what's he doing? Oh my goodness, I'm too busy out here. I gotta. I, he needs a supervisor. Like, It's been too quiet. What's he doing? Um, and flesh from my flesh, he will be called a woman, because woman, man. Uh, and, true show. Because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That's what the Bible is talking about. A man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. The two become one. What if sexuality is like math? More than creative writing. Only this math, one plus one equals one. The, de- the devil can't give you that. In fact, it's not just the man and the woman. It's the man and the woman and God, and they all become one. The sacredness of marriage. And we're going to talk about it. And then it says this, Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Guilt is a gift. Because what guilt does, the Holy Spirit brings guilt. We live in a society full of guilt, and all the enemy has to do is like say, it's not wrong, but your body knows that it's wrong. Subconsciously, there's something in you that knows that sexual immorality is wrong, and it's hurting you. What happens when subconsciously it's buried so deep in a, in a promiscuous soul, self-hatred? What if it's buried so deep in us that the enemy, all he has to say is like, well, no, it's not guilty and it's not wrong and this morality thing and you decide your own thing. And what if that was all just a massive smokescreen to keep God from healing you? What if all the, the messages out there are just to keep everybody distracted and angry and away from the power of guilt? Because guilt, as soon as sin enters and you start hitting yourself and committing sins against your own body, and then you hurt other people in the mix too. And as soon as sin enters, separation happens. And guilt is there for one reason, for you to repent and be restored. And when we feel bad about our sin, it's the Holy Ghost's gift saying like, this feels terrible to not be connected, doesn't it? Give up your sin, go and sin no more, and come back into full relationship. If you don't recognize the gift of guilt, you will trade it for shame. Guilt says, I did this, but I'm not that, I am this, I am identifying in who I am in Christ and who he says that I am. Shame says, I did it, this is me now. All societies, a bunch of people walk around in the horrible awfulness of shame and self-hatred, but they're just calling it something different. Have a little mercy on people today, people are just broken. There is no nakedness outside of God's design that does not bring shame. But the man and the woman were in the garden naked with no shame. But pastor, I've uh, cheated on my spouse. Can I be redeemed? Yes. God can heal anything. But this is still what we're going to talk about. I was married and then I got divorced. Can God heal me? Can I be redeemed? Yes. You can be redeemed today. God can heal anything. But I'm addicted to pornography. Can I be redeemed? Yes. Today. Can I be healed? Yes. Today. I've done things. Can I be redeemed? Yes. Things were done to me, can I be redeemed? Yes. God is greater than anything that's been done to you and anything that you've done. Can I be redeemed? Yes. Jesus says, one of the names of Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord our healer. Now the only people that God can't heal are people who won't say that they're sick. Those are the only ones that won't come to him for healing because the enemy just keeps up, you're not sick, you're not sick, you're not sick. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory, but we've all, we're all sick. We live in a society of sexual immorality. We're all sick. We're just going to ask the Lord to heal us today. I'm sleeping with somebody who's not my spouse. Can I be redeemed? Yes. But go and sin no more. But stop. We need to stop hating ourselves. You know why the world is so sexually angry right now? because they've lost their innocence and their naivety and they're afraid the subconsciously deeply, they're afraid they'll never be connected. Don't be angry at angry people. Just love them because God can heal them and God can heal anything. Here's our first step today. You have to admit that God was right all along. It has to be his voice or no voice. Jesus, Lord of all or not at all. He can't be another voice. We have to admit God was right all along. Listen, everything else in the world is an opposing voice and two opposing ideas can't both equally be true. It's not logical. The second step, stop being afraid of the world, what the world thinks around you. If they were right, they'd be happy. So I just have a lot of compassion for the world around me when they get angry at me for not telling them what they believe is right. I'm like, I don't know, but I don't know that you're happy. The third step is hope again, hope again. The enemy in your life is surrounded by God.